Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit. Adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. I like the beard. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. Been growing it for, for quite some time. Ever since I got out, I'm like, yo, I'm going I'm to grow this beard. How long did it take you to grow that beard? Man, uh, a couple months. It took a couple months, man. I, when I was months. sick. Not too bad. It was it was long, man. I look real Rumpelstiltskin. And just really huge, long beard. Um, and then uh, my girl was like, you got to do something about that. I said, like, well, can I keep it long? Should you keep it long, but not as long as you had it when you're in the hospital. I'm like, All right. Well. Thanks for the compromise. <laughs> nice. We'll get into that. All right. Yeah. Let's kick it off, dude. Uh, awesome one, man. Navy class of 2010. Fellow Navy class of 2010. Navy football senior class not 09. Uh, grew up in San Diego. <clears throat> High school. National City, Chula Vista, San Diego. Where's National City? I know where Chula Vista yeah. and San Diego are, but what's what is National City? Yeah, man, National City is kind of actually where I, where I primarily grew up. It is a small little city, man, kind of squished between Chula Vista and San Diego. So if you're heading south on the five, um, if once you, you know, you cross actually into National City for a little bit and you get into Chula Vista. And so gotcha. it's a small little town, man. It's like a sandwich between the two. Gotcha. Cool. Um, went to La Jolla High School. La Jolla um, Country Day, actually. Very different from La Jolla High School. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I used to call the place La Jolla. La Jolla. Uh, the, the reason why I would do that was because it really annoyed my wife and I loved doing that. So uh, I used to call it La, La Jolla every time we went there. It's awesome place. Yeah. Really expensive. Like, yeah, how'd that man. go? So it, man, it, it was it was uh, it was cool, man. You know, I was very lucky and blessed. My my dad, you know, he's he's an academy grad, class of seventy eight. He always wanted me to go to the private school, um, and I did this little summer program at the at the um, the middle school that I was at called Hilltop Middle, and yep. they they liked me. They, I showed a lot of leadership, and they're like, "Hey, we want you to apply," um, and I got in. And luckily, you know, we're on a lot of scholarship. Cause it costs a lot to go. I think at the time when I was there in the early two thousands, man, it was like 20 grand a year to go. Hmm. How'd um, your dad afford that? Oh, we got a lot of, a lot of help, man. So I think he played, paid maybe a quarter of that. I think maybe around five, six K a year um, to go. So we got a lot of, a lot of financial support, man. So I got very lucky. Where'd the um, financial support come from? I'm from the school. Luckily, school. you came from the school, nice. man. Yeah. So I'm actually I'm actually on the board of trustees now, and nice. I got to see that the, the inner workings of the school, man. And it's, and it's really cool to be able to, you know, help kids who are like me, and, and to get to a school, you know, like La Jolla Country Day, where again most families, most of them said, you know, man, can't afford to go to it now, um, but give them the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I had that on on the intro notes for you know for myself to bring up with you and in, in the board yeah. of trustees with La Jolla Country Day School. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, yeah. And, and how that was going. What's the, uh, 
so what's your mission with that? Like that's a nonprofit yeah. thing. That's, that's volunteer time. It, exactly. Like, yep. hundred percent, all that. And so really the, the mission uh, of the board is to see the growth of the school. I have that long projected growth. Um, and, you know, they, they brought me in. So I was on the finance committee for a couple of years. You know, they liked what I had to bring to, to that. And so they asked me to come on the board. Um, and they just also being an alumni, they wanted to have that sort of, uh, you know, that, that view, right, coming from, you know, one, uh, a, p- a poorer background than most kids who go to Country Day, um, and also, you know, being alumni right there and kind of saying, hey, what is my vision for the school? What do I see? And, of course, one big thing that's really big for them is is, is diversity and inclusion, right? And so how can I bring that right to the school as well? Um, and so it's been going good, man. No, this is my first year actually on the board and uh, really learning a lot, and I, I want to be as as helpful to the school and be that resource. And I'm still in all transparency, still, still trying to find my, my footing and all that, so. Gotcha. Well, man, I'm really excited to have you on here. I know a lot of people, um, you you may not know this, but a lot of people want to hear your story. Uh, so you better dive deep. And we're, about to, <laughs> we're about to get it yeah, started. Man, I we, will, I will. We just yeah. touched the wave top, so. I'm open, man. I, I did get a couple I'm of open. memories. Osei from, uh, you know, back at Naps, remembers you as a big yeah. <laughs> time playmaker at the uh, fullback position, more so than yeah, some, than, than some of our <laughs> other fullbacks. So, yeah, you know, I, I walked onto the team. I'm not sure if a lot of people knew that. You know, um, Coach Niamat was the recruiter on the West Coast. He, you know, saw my tapes, saw me play, and he goes, "Hey, you know, he's good, but unfortunately, you no know, Country Day, we're a, we're a small school playing eight man football at the time. So he's like, hey, if he gets into the prep school, you know, walk on, and you might have a chance to to get to the, the big boy squad when he gets to the academy. And luckily, man, you know, went to Naps, you know, tried out the the guy that was recruited was Spencer Brown. I'm not sure if you remember. Oh Spence. yeah, big time. Um, he's yeah, and um, I remember me and him, and we did a, did a lot of competition. Um, I personally thought I was better, but you know he got more play, got more playing time, and, and, and things like that. But you know, um, yeah, man, I, I enjoyed my time at Naps, and it's one of those things where you look back and you're like, man, that was a great year. Like, no real responsibility. We're making you know X amount of dollars every single month. We got no one watching us, and then the year after that, right, become plebes and get all these restrictions, right? And you can't really, really like have that same kind of freedom. <laughs> nice. No, I I definitely remember Spencer Brown. Um, but you guys fought, yeah. dude. Like, y'all battled. Yeah, yeah, man. Because I, you know, I was, I was that, you know, again, I had a lot to prove, right? I wasn't, you know, wasn't recruited. You know, I knew I was good. The fullback position was new to me, right? Because I, I was a running back in the, in the eye, um, and so I was very used to that. And you know, being so close to the line and, and seeing things unfold in a split second, right? was was new to me and so i wanted to make sure that i had the opportunity right if i did well at naps that you know the, the varsity squad up there would, would would take me in and say hey, yeah we like you we like your, your worth ethic and we're going to keep you um and so that was something that was important to me awesome all right uh, another one from baird roberts remember barnyard <laughs> baird oh yeah 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 <laughs> so for the listeners out there uh baird roberts was my roommate he was Glenn's roommate freshman year, I think. Yeah, plebe year, yeah. Yeah, he, and then he crossed over to to my roommate after sophomore year. Um, he said, you got real serious about becoming a SEAL, going to Bud's. 
Yeah, man. Um, and those one of those things where, you know, I had a, a buddy of mine in high school. His dad actually was a, was a SEAL commander. He, I don't remember the game SOCOM. I think the first night came out, right, I think in PS2. His dad was actually one of the voices of one of the characters. Um, got to meet the guy, and I was like, man, I want to I want to be this badass, right? I want to be this dude. Um, but I couldn't swim to save my life, right? It's like, I know. I and that, that's the thing that right? Bayard like, talked about. He was like, well, yeah. Glenn... He escaped my room this morning, uh, every single day of the year, and went to the pool. Yeah, for a long time. So, yeah. and he yeah, got real man. serious about that. Got real serious about it, and um, kind of lucked out, man. I'm not sure if you remember too. It was, I think, junior year. Um, some guys asked us to come to an one of the auditoriums, I forget in which hall it was, and they did a little like talk around like trying to recruit football players to be seals and stuff like that. Um, Captain, oh, I can't remember his name now, but he, I remember we're walking by, I shook their guys' hands and we're walking by him and something in my gut told me, it's like, you know, introduce yourself to this man, say hello, tell me that you want to be a SEAL. And I did. And man, honestly, the reason why I picked up Buds at the Academy was, be, was because of this program. Um, in all transparency, I'm not sure if you actually read the book, um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Well, he talks about uh, Admiral, Admiral Winter's was trying to do a recruitment for for black for black you know uh, recruits into the SEAL community because they're doing a lot of a lot of ops in Africa and I remember Admiral Winters actually came to the academy and spoke with me and a couple other you know guys in our class black guys in our class I was like hey I need black guy I need black seals and this is the reason why X Y Z we're doing a bunch of stuff there like a lot of my white seals can't blend in we need we need you guys to make it through buds um, and you know I was I was, was given the chance and opportunity. Unfortunately, things didn't work out. Got hurt while I was there, uh, and that kind of you know derailed that kind of that uh, that career path. Yeah, that that was one of my questions for you. Uh, was you wanted to go seals? You went to buds? Something happened, yeah. and you just explained that. But with the the David yeah. Goggins thing, dude, I was on the treadmill yesterday <laughs> listening yeah. to David Goggins talk about his serial experience with, uh, you know. Um, on a podcast and uh, he was talking about that whole experience. It was awesome. I loved it. And uh, you know, part of it was his, his journey going through it, punishing his body um, and, and how it hurt and how he had to overcome that. And, you know, like his mentality turned into something greater than being like, Hey, I got hurt today. No, yeah. get over it. Like, uh, obviously, that's his <laughs> brand, right? So right, right. He's, he, his brand has turned into the ultra. Yeah, man, he's the, right? considered the world's hardest man, right? Like, right. world's hardest man. Because behind the scenes, and we will never know the, the behind the scenes of that, but it's definitely a crazy story that, that's yeah. portrayed the guy runs and he has no meniscus in his knee. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, yes, it's a nut story on the back end of the story. There's a hundred people saying you can't do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. And I had, I got that a lot actually at the Academy, you know, and, um, you know, I, in all, <laughs> all kinds of seriousness, I was literally the black sheep of the group of guys, man, that, you know, that I got selected, right? I 
was the anomaly. I didn't do the seal screener and all those kind of things, man. And, and, and it made it a little tough, man, to, to get it get through. I think I was listening to one of the other podcasts. I think it might've been, you know, Arnold's podcast in regards awesome. to like, you know, you can't, you know, awesome podcast. Yeah. It was awesome talk, but he was talking no, about like, no, you can't, awesome you can't do things story. Alone. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, where, you know, you can't get, you can't, you can't go through stuff alone. Right. Um, luckily, man, I, I had a lot of good, you know, friends that I worked along the way outside of, you know, kind of our classmates, even though I bonded with a few. Um, but like I said, man, I was kind of the outcast, man, and stuff like that. And so um, it made going through buds even harder, right? Even even harder because, you know, uh, a lot of people didn't believe I should have been there in the first place. Well, I'm going to make a note to ask you more about that because. Yeah, man. I think yeah. we need to go deeper you know, into that. Yeah. Another thing too, man, is actually I met David Goggins. He came to the to the academy and taught me how to swim. And so um, nice. he came by one one Saturday and he taught. Because I'm not sure if it's still there anymore, but I created a program called Vast at the academy, Varsity Athlete Spec Warfare Training. And I know it was, it was there at least for another four or five years when, when I was gone. Um, I knew a couple of guys that kind of ran it, and he hot he hot taught you know uh, us how to swim and stuff like that, man, and how to swim properly and get through you know, the, the PFT at the time. So it was cool. Nice. He's a hard man, dude. He was a, <laughs> say the least. no doubt. He was hard back then, man. The guy's running on, uh, you know, no meniscus and bone to bone. Yeah. Knees. So, all right. Um, that's totally, really all I got uh, for the memories piece of it. Dude, tell us your yeah. story. Tell us where you came from. Where you're going, where you're at now, and uh, what's next? Yeah, man. You know, um, kind of give you the, the the quick and dirty, man. You know, I'm, I'm from San Diego, born and raised. Uh, my mother's originally from the Philippines. You know, dad is from Youngstown, Ohio. Um, met here in San Diego. Um, you know, they dated for a little bit, but you know, I was just a uh, uh, what is that uh, a, a mistake, but a blessing, right? <laughs> at the same time, um, only child, right? Kind of grew up in a more of an extended family, right? Being Filipino, we have a huge extended family, right? Outside of our blood family, even though my mom's one of nine kids, um, a lot of my aunts and uncles, man, are, are kind of scattered all, all over the country in, in Philippines and Guam and things like that. Um, so at a very early age, man, I had to learn to, to make friends, right? And stuff like that. And I think that's something that kind of helped me kind of grow into the kind of person and kind of really the job that I'm in today. Um, from there, right, played sports most of my life. I played football as a kid, man, but I sucked. I was such a mama's boy. Like I'll get hit, I'll cry. Um, I do that too. <laughs> you're not alone. I think I think most time we start out right. We play football the first time, get smacked. You're like, what the hell is this? Why am I playing this sport? Um, but then eventually, my dad put me in wrestling, and actually was really good at wrestling. Right? My dad's like, holy shit! Like we found something that you're good at. I played baseball. I was fast, and so I couldn't hit the ball, but I could run around the bases. So he put me in track. And then it wasn't until, man, I hit puberty that I got, you know, was really angry as a kid and I decided to start playing some football and it, and it, and it worked out. Um, and then from there, like I said, man, went to, went to country day, you know, we were a really good eight man football squad. I think at one point we were, we were number one in the, in the nation for eight man football. I think I remember my junior year or something like that, but I'm um, again, no one really respects eight man football regardless, but, um, but it was fun, man, had a good time. Um, and then from there, of course, right, met you, man, at, at Naps. Um, was there for about a year. I was in uh, one, two, 
right? Um, and then from there, right, went to the academy, majored in political science, was there right with you as well, man, <laughs> right? In, in 21 company, um, from there, kind of talked about before, went to uh, pick the buds at the academy, was there for about two years. Um, I got hurt with a shoulder. So um, I popped my shoulder playing football a couple of times and I'm not sure if some people remember or not, but I started a little fight club at the academy senior year and we would do like little secret like MMA fights and stuff like that, man, on, on Saturdays. And unfortunately hurt myself doing that too. Uh, so once I got to, to Bud's, man, unfortunately I kind of came already broken. Um, we were doing log PT for like three hours, popped my shoulder out twice, put it back in each time. The next day we're doing a two mile swim, trying to swim. My shoulder popped out, man, and that was it. That's kind of all she wrote. I got it um, re repaired, but the doc was like, yo, this is a really bad like you know, shoulder injury. You're gonna need at least two years to recover. The compound said, we're giving you eight months, go. And so did everything I can, man, to recover, everything under the sun you can think about. Um, went back, tried in the shoulder, man, just couldn't hold up. And so from there, um, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I know I still wanted to stay in. And then I became a surface warfare officer um, for my first ship on the, you know, the DDG-105, the Dewey. Um, and actually, me, me and Austin served for a little bit, man. So we served for a little bit on, on the Dewey, man. He was my navigator. Um, nice. it, was, it was a good time, man. You know, my first captain and I, you know, got along. Me and my second captain, not so much. I'm sure, you know, Austin probably has some stories, but um, I, I consider myself a good officer. I took care of my guys, but as a ship driver, man, I'll be all transparent, man. I was not a good ship driver. I did not care to, to drive ships, right? I was there to kind of you know, kill bad guys, kick down doors, all that kind of stuff, man. So um, I brought that same sort of buds mentality to the SWO community. And that is not the <laughs> that is not the same mentality, man. And so I tried to think outside the box and I just kept getting hit to be pushed back inside so, the box. So right. this is where I get to inject and be like, hey, tell me yeah, more please. about this. You ready? Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So you have this uh, buds mentality, go to surface mm -hmm. warfare, and you have this problem. How did that make you feel? Man. Uh, when you're trying to push, you're, you're trying to make the mission. Hey, I'm on top of it. Let's go. And all of a it, sudden you got to slow down and realize that you got to talk or, yeah. you know, describe this thing on a different level. Yeah, man. It, I felt alone, man. I felt alone. And I felt like I didn't belong, right? I didn't belong. Uh, I remember one time, kind of, you know, story, I was with my guys down in EE, in EE division. And when I first get there, I know they're kind of playing some games with me. But when I first get there, they're like, hey, sir, this is how it works. We have all our jobs on the board. We get all our jobs done. Once our job's done, we can go home. I'm like, cool. That sounds good to me. Like, that makes sense. That's the kind of same thing we did in Buds. Hey, we have a job to do. Get the job done. Once the job's done, we go home. And then they, I remember the guys end up leaving at like 1,500, right? And my, my chief comes in and goes, sir, where, where are the guys? I'm like, oh, I'll let them go. He goes, why'd you let them go? I'm like, well, they got all their stuff done. He goes, no, you guys stay here till 1600. I was like, oh, shit, they played me. Like, okay, like, they can get off a little, little early, right, with the new J.O. So the next day, right, I say, hey, guys, all right, you guys got to stay here till at least 1600. And then I was like, I want to talk to Chief, make sure I can let you go. I can't just let you go. 
And so same thing happens, right? 1600 comes along and he goes, Hey, I'm like, Hey, sir. Hey, all the guys, oh, chief, all these guys are, they're done. Can, can we let them cut out? And he goes, no, they have to stay. I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean they got to stay? He goes, the whole job's done. He goes, well, they got to stay until like 1800, you know, 15, 17, 1800, whatever it was. I'm like, didn't you just tell me 1600 yesterday? Like, what's the deal? I was like, for me, I just found a lot of like inefficiencies, right? With a lot of stuff like that, like that kind of old Navy mentality. And yep. when I try to fix some of those things, make things more efficient, man, they were not happy about that, man. Something like that. And I questioned a lot, right? Asked no, you know, just, I, I didn't, I wasn't disrespectful, I believe, to anybody. I just, I just asked a lot of questions and try to make changes that they feel that need me, need, need changing to. So eventually, man, I kind of just, I was like, you know, I'm done with all this trash, man. So, um, me and my captain bumped heads and I told that's him, okay. you know, maybe I was a little too honest with him. Yeah. That's okay. I was a little too honest with him. I was like, Hey, uh, I, cause I was FTS at the time, right? Full-time support, which is like the active side of the reserve corps. I was like, Hey sir, listen, I just want to get my pin. I want to go to a NOSC, right? A reserve center, be the XOC of a reserve center, kind of ride my time. Like I'm cool with that. Like I don't, I don't want to be on a ship. And he was a diehard swell. He did not want to hear that. And so, um, from that point, he never really liked me. And then um, when I was having some issues, he's like, hey, I'm not going to give you your pin. I said, well, then no, then get me out of the military. Um, he goes, roger that. And so I got out about maybe eight months before my contract was up anyway, which I didn't plan on going back you know, to the surface. So it got me out a little bit sooner. But I feel like, you know, it was a blessing in disguise and everything happens for a reason. And so, you know, I'm glad where I'm at now. 100%. Tell us more about your interaction with your uh, CO at the time when that <laughs> exit happened. Like, what was the friction? What happened there? I yeah. mean, that's important because a lot of people are probably dealing with the same thing and they want to hear what you went through so they can, you know, you know, try to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I think I said, I think I told you I had that buds mentality that I assume mentality. Like, hey, we work hard, we play hard, we go home, right? That's kind of that was the mentality. And so that's not you know, in the but in the in the soul community, it's like work harder, work hard and work harder, right? And then right, and then go home at some point, right? You're not you no know, arbitrary time, right? Go home. Um yeah. and so I'd always kind of talk to my my department head, like, hey sir, like this doesn't make sense, like can we change it? Da, da, da. When I try to make some things, he'd bring up to the CO. The CO really wasn't having it. And um, personally, right, man, I don't think he he liked me from the get-go because he knew I was a buds guy. Uh, I'm not a swole guy, if you will. And I remember the, I was supposed to do VBSS, which is a visit, a visit board search and seizure, uh, a little bit kind of what, um, what what Arnold did with the Riverine thing. And I was supposed to take over that next with the, with old, with the first CO. And then um, the guy told me, my the, the incoming CEO was like, no, Woods just wants to get his pin so he can go back to Buds, which I can't, right? I had two opportunities, that was it, and then you know I move on. Um, but he still had this thought that I wanted to go back and be a SEAL or do like EOD or something, and which I couldn't. And so he kind of made, you know, kind of things that I wanted to do a little more, more hectic and stuff like that. And in all transparency, man, I didn't do anything really spectacular to not give him a reason to not like me, I kind of had that chip on my shoulders. I well, you know what, screw this dude. Like, I'm gonna do what I want to do because I won't be a, I'm hmm. gonna be a swole anywhere. So, hey, you know, my contract is up, then I'm, I'm out of here anyway. Shake my hand and be, be gone. Imagine that. Chip on your yeah. shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So the buds versus swole thing, like, 
when it comes to your CO, like, why is that a problem or even a, something we need to talk about? Like, I don't yeah, understand. Man. It, it was a problem with him. It was a problem with him. I don't think it was a lot of problem with a lot of other people um, because they kind of knew my story. And I mean, I, cause I was a go-getter, man. Like I was trying to do well. Um, I met the ship, my first ship on deployment. And I was, I was knocking out these, these qualifications cause I wanted to get my pen. And then uh, everything happened with, with him. And, you know, honestly don't know. Um, he was, he was enlisted from enlisted, you know, Oh five, you know, it's a diehard swell. And, he wanted other diehard swoes like in his pack and people that he enjoyed. He definitely oh, I get it favorites, and I, I was not one of them. Yeah, I a hundred percent understand the story now because here you got a guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not trying to be mean or anything with this. Uh, so now you yeah. got a guy that comes in. Um, he's an enlisted guy, worked the swo phase, becomes an uh, an officer in the swo arena, and grows to 05 zone and now he's looking at this guy that comes in from the you know seal failure yeah yeah i'm not just trying to say failure zone yeah. uh i say it from that that's what he's thinking right because right right your deal is medical and we'll get to the rest of your medical after this um yeah. but you had these complications in this high performing zone that comes into his zone. Mm -hmm. That might be threatening. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 I choose to think so um, because I wasn't, I was, I didn't have this slow mentality, right. I wasn't coming in with this woman. I was coming with a different mentality and, you know, I was just being me, and like I, like I said, in transparency, didn't like driving shifts, but you know, whatever. But I think as an officer, I know I know it's a, a damn good officer. Um, people liked me. I got my stuff done. You know, all my my programs were 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 up to the standard. Um, but I would just question a lot. Like this doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? That is, this, a, can we do a this? Trait, it's a little more efficient, right? That's a trait like, that's undervalued. I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, no, one hundred percent. Don't awesome. don't don't question don't don't question you know the don't question the authority right. Just do what you're told. You're a young Jo. Just shut up and do what you're told. <laughs> right, like negative. Keep going. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. that was your Navy time. Anything else on your Navy time before we get mm -hmm. to where you're at today? Uh, that was really it, man. Once I got that, man, I said I got out in about fourteen. Um, and then, you know, moved into, moved into finance, you know, been working there now since I was 14, I was going to my ninth, 10th year. Hell, I can't do the math, <laughs> but yeah, you know, coming in here, man, in, in March would be my, my anniversary date, man. So, um, been doing that and running it and loving it, running a practice and really enjoying what I'm doing now. Cause if really, man, what I learned about being in the military was the most precious thing that we have is time, right? Like you always make more money. You can always buy more stuff, but you can never buy or make more time, right? Once you use it, it's gone, right? That's that, that disappearing equity, right? So um, 100%. this this new career, man, allows me to control my time, which, you know, we didn't have control of our time for the longest, right? <laughs> Something like that. Told what to wear, what to dress, or, you know, where to go, where to be, like, you know, not the case, no, not the case for me anymore. And I awesome. thoroughly enjoy that. <laughs> so, so tell us what you're doing today. 
Yeah, man. So, um, you know, I'm a financial advisor with, with Northwestern. I you know you had Irv on the podcast um, a while ago. So I've been working with Irv, man, um, you know, for, for quite some time. Actually, I'm the one who brought him into the company. Uh, saw him walk on, on I think, on a, a shoot, I can't remember where I saw him. But uh, I was like, hey, man, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, you're interested? And he's like, yeah, man, let's check it out. You know, he's always been good with his finances. And, you know, he's been doing it as long as I have now, man. So, um, you know, private wealth management, you know, investment strategies, retirement plans, all that kind of stuff, man. We we help people with. So that's what we do. Gotcha. How do you like it? Like I said, man, love it. Um, it has its ups and downs, just like anything. But the one thing, man, that, you know, every time, you know, just coming at the academy, like, damn, like, why am I doing this? This is so hard. Like, this sucks. Like, and sometimes, right, with work has the same sort of, you know, connotation. But I, I try to look at the, the blessings, right? It's like, all right, what does this afford me? It affords me that time, right? And we'll, we'll get into my, my medical condition here in a little bit, man. But if I was at any other corporation, I've been probably forced to get back to work sooner than I wanted to and things like that. And the fact that I do have my own business, my own practice allows me and affords me the ability to control when I want to come back to work, which I just started, you know, a couple of days ago, actually. <laughs> gotcha. Well, you're looking great. Um, Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Go ahead and, and dive into to what you're going through personally. Yeah, man. Um, so for those, you know, who don't know, um, you know, I was, I was hospitalized most of uh, last summer, um, I'll kind of give you the, the breakdown here, man. So, um, in 2021, I caught COVID, um, and I was good for about a week and then about seven days from, you know, getting diagnosed, I started puking, right. And I couldn't hold anything down, went to the hospital. They realized I had a real bad pneumonia. Um, and so they kept me, um, in the hospital for about a week. I was on oxygen, um, for, for a long time. And they're like, man, like if you didn't come in sooner or later, like we would probably be having this conversation. So very lucky and blessed, you know, to, to still be alive from, from that man in transparency. Um, from there, um, my father passed away in October of 21, um, of COVID, unfortunately. Um, when I got sick, I told my dad, I was like, I was like pops, listen, I know how you feel about the vaccine, but please for me, consider it. Uh, he chose not to, and unfortunately, he, he died from it. But it was one of those things where, you know, I tell people, you know, my, my dad died for what he believed in. And, you know, how many people in the world are willing to do that, right? Willing to do that. I still miss him, you know, every day when she was here to meet his future grandbabies. Um, but there's not many people out there who will be willing to die for what they believe in. So um, that whole thing happened. I was in the process of... Um, of uh, working with his will and trust and all of the state stuff. And then I could actually move back into my childhood home, been in the progress of, of updating and upgrading the home. And then in June, I had real bad bronchitis. And like, I was like, you know, coughing nonstop. At one point, man, I was coughing so violently, I passed out. That's how bad this bronchitis was. Um, after that, after about a month of having that bronchitis, I went, to, I went back to the ER, did a chest x-ray, they said, I'm clear. But then that same day, I got something called Bell's palsy, which is um, a paralyzation of the face. And so my left side of my face got paralyzed. And I was with my, I was with my girl, Ashley, at the time. And uh, she comes over, we're going to cook dinner. And I'm like, hey, baby, like, don't freak out. But the left side of my face ain't working. <laughs> and she goes, holy shit, we're going, to, we're going back to the doctor. So we went to the doctor. I went to the ER. They looked at me. They say, hey, you know, take these pills. Hopefully this helps. We know something's wrong with you but your labs and everything else seems fine. 
but we're not sure what's going on. It could be a virus, right? Potentially, we're not sure. But man, that's when kind of the downfall of what happened to me. Um, over the next seven days, I started losing um, neuro neuro functions, right? So the use of my legs, use of my hands, and it wasn't until about day seven that my body unfortunately attacked um, my central nervous system and um, caused me not to walk and stuff like that. So from there, man, I went to the VA. Um, that's where I got most of my, my hospitalization done. And man, they've been amazing. Luckily, man, the VA here in San Diego, they're contracted with UCSD. And so a lot of my doctors were UCSD doctors. And if a lot of the procedures that they couldn't get done at the VA was right down the street, man, at, at the new facility at UCSD. So, you know, I had great help there. Um, but man, I was walking around, resting heart rate at about 120 beats per minute. If I moved, man, it would be like 150. Um, I had something called fasciculations, which my entire body pretty much was um, what I'm looking for here. Uh, jittery, right? Or, you know, just my muscles were twitching. Um, and so when I was That's in crazy. ICU- 120 was, beats yeah, per minute well, and you're- Resting. Goodness. Yeah. Um, I was sweating profusely. I had two fans on me at all times. Um, and man, I was getting every test done to me under the sun. They had no idea what was wrong with me. It was meningitis, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, you name the disease, man. They thought I might've had it. They asked, you know, my history, where I've been, what I was doing, all that kind of stuff. And they still had no idea. Um, so I went in for my first admission was I think end of June. I was there for about three weeks, I think, four weeks. They finally came up with an idea after they called GBS or Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, which causes kind of the body to, to twitch a little bit, right? So like that. Um, they gave me some infusions. They said, hey, hopefully this helps. They sent me home. I was home for about four weeks. The first two weeks I was doing, really, I was doing okay, but I mean, I couldn't walk. I couldn't move my hands. Uh, my girl had to, you know, transport me everywhere. She had to shower me, man. Um, luckily, she had to, you know, wipe my ass because I have a bidet, right? So, but otherwise, that would have nice. been the case. Um, uh, but man, I had a two-hour ritual before I went to bed every night, man. Um, you know, she would massage me. She would give me the pills, right? It was this whole ritual before I, before I had the opportunity to go to bed because I was in so much pain. Um, I was home again, and that, but after about two weeks, my neural function started dropping again. Um, I was you know, had these massive blood clots coming out of my nose. Um, you know, I was waking up in shivers, man, and just, you know, couldn't sleep. It was, it was bad news. Eventually, she convinced me to go back to the to the hospital, man, which I'll be honest with you, man, I was very, very hesitant to want to go sure. back because my last week at, at, at the VA, I I was in a room before the guys. It's, it's called med surge. And, man, you can't sleep during med surge, man. You had guys talking and screaming and, you know, TVs were loud. It was it was miserable. So I don't want to deal with that. Um, then from there, my second admission, I was there for another three, four weeks. Um, but at that point, man, my my immune system was shot. Um, you know, they did some more testing. I had my spine. I had spinal tap twice. I got bone marrow drawn from me. Um, several biopsies to make sure I didn't have cancer. My lymph nodes were so swollen throughout my entire body, man. They thought I might have lymphoma. Um and so now every six months, man, they I get a PET scan to make sure I don't have cancer. Um, so after that, man, they finally potentially came up with a diagnosis for what I had. And it was something called IgG4. 
Um, and we'll talk about that here a little bit, but um, IgG4 and then the symptoms on top of that is a condition called Isaac syndrome, which is actually very rare. Both of them are both very rare. There's less than a thousand cases diagnosed in, in, in the world, apparently. Um, but from there, man, um, recently, this past month, actually, I just found out that the rheumatologist told me to say, hey, Glenn, we're going to take away that diagnosis of IgG4. We don't think you have it. We, we, we don't know what you have, unfortunately, still to this day. So you have some unknown, you know, neuroautoimmune disease that attacks, you know, attacks your, your uh, it really attacked my liver and some, and some other, and some other things, actually my kidneys and, and other much like that. Right. Um, but so there's some, one, one blanket of uh, autoimmune disease so that we can attack it from different angles. If we just did IgG4, we just kind of treat that, but your symptoms hit so many different types of autoimmune cases. Like we can't just do one. I say it's one or the other. So, um, you know, I want a myriad of, you know, med cocktails and stuff like that now, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm doing a significantly better man than when I wanted to get out. It's, it took me about a month to start really walking again on my own and, and, and driving. But funny story, man, when I saw the doctors about a month in, they had, they saw me walking kind of on my own. They're like, Holy shit. Like we did not, think or expect you to start walking this soon. And so uh, I'm kind of a medical uh, anomaly in the sense that my health and the fact that I was able to recover so quickly too, you know, so. Sounds like Goggins. <laughs> Shit, man. I, w- I wish I had a tent in that, guy, that, that man's, you know, mental toughness, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, that's a crazy story. And I'm listening to you. I'm like, yeah. Goodness gracious. And, and and all your hurdles that you went through, like you could have been like, I'm in trouble and I want to give up. I'm in trouble and I want to say it's someone else's fault. It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. I, I'll be honest with you, man. I did. Right. I'm, and this is where I get real, real here. Um, I went to some dark places, bro real, real dark places. I was in a lot of pain, man. When I was in the ICU for the first week, uh, I remember, man, my back was on fire, right? Because mm. so what happened was I had these B cells and the B cells were attacking my central nervous system and your spine has these nerves, right? That kind of go out and they're wrapped in uh, some sort of little protective film. So my body was attacking that protective film, exposing my nerves. And so it was, my back was on fire, man, on fire. And... There's, there's times, brother, where I was like, yo, man, if I got to live through this, if God calls me home, I might answer that phone call. Like, that's how much pain I was in. And, you know, I was with my, my girl, my now fiance, Ashley, at the time. And, you know, she she was my rock, bro. Like, you know, I, I heard a lot of guys talk about their wives being their rock. And, you know, I'm so lucky and blessed to have her in my life. Because um, if it wasn't for her, man, if I was by myself, dude, like, I don't know if I'd be talking to you right now. Hands down. Awesome. Um, we need to get uh, to her. I was just gonna say we need Go to ahead. get Ashley on here. <laughs> yeah, um, she can she can tell you some stories, man, um, for sure. There's some you know a lot of things she also bl- you know blocked out because she didn't want to have to deal with that trauma anymore. Um, but 100%. I mean, I made a promise to her, you know, I you know told her I love her and you know want to start a family, and that's what kind of kept the the drive going, man. The, that. You know, 
at some point, man, I, I, I delved deep into my faith. I was like, you know, I was like asking guys like, God, like, why is this, why is it happening to me? You know, I, I had COVID, I was in the hospital, I exercise and I eat right. Like I do all these things, right? You know, then my dad passes away, right? And then now, now this, like, why is all this stuff happening to me? And, you know, I'm not sure if it was serendipitous, man, but I had to take a look at the grander scheme, right? That the big, um, the bigger picture of all this. Um, I had to lose a lot, man, to gain a lot. Right. Especially in regards to like Ashley, her family, she comes from a you know, somewhat big family, but very large extended family. So even though I lost my father, I'm gaining a family. Right. And stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, a lot of things that happened, just looking at it, man, that there had to be uh, a method to the madness. Right. Yeah. And so when I when I was sick. At the time, I was living. I was living in. I was renting a room out because I sold my house in 2020, really with the intent purposes, right, to to move to move out of California. I wasn't sure where I was gonna go, but I was gonna move out of California, man. Um, and my dad said, "Hey, hold on." He was in real estate at the time. The market's gonna correct at some point. I'm not sure when, but when it does, that's when you'd be opportunity to to consider to buy. And I was like, okay. And so from there, I kind of waited out. Unfortunately, again, right, my, my dad passed. But if he didn't pass, man, if I didn't move into this home, if I didn't meet Ashley, um, you know, I would still be at that same place renting out a room with my friends trying to take care of me, which would not have been the case, right? Couldn't have done it. Um, I had two dogs at the time. Unfortunately, met my dog, Diesel, my Doberman, he passed away, man, in like April. Um, and so I opposed to having to take care of two dogs, people had to take care of one dog, which is a lot easier. Um, <laughs> and man, so many people came out of the woodwork, man, to support me. And so I'm just really, like I said, lucky and blessed, man, to be able to come on your podcast and thank everybody, man. Because there's some people that came out that I can't reach to everybody. But I just want to say thanks for everybody who, their, their prayers, right, their financial contributions, man. I had, a, a, you know, Alana Abernathy has been a huge help um, through this progress, man. She... She's been a godsend. Her and, and, and my team member, Cynthia Burnett, man, were, were godsends, man, to for me and to help me and Ashley throughout throughout all this, man. So <laughs> dude, you went through a crazy life unknown. Um and a lot of people are going through this right now. They're going through this yeah. like yeah. I have this thing going on with my body. It doesn't make sense. And yours yeah. is extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you know, like I said, I'm very lucky and blessed. One thing I, I mentioned too, man, I went in the hospital about 2.40. I left my last admission at 1.70. So I'm sure a lot of people who are seeing my, my, my Instagram stories about that, you know, I, I lost a ton of weight now in January right here, I'm back up to my weight about 240. Um, so I'm back to my fighting weight, man. And, um, a lot of it, you know, like I said, man, comes from, uh, the blessings, man, from, from guys, you know, a lot of guys from the brotherhood reached out, man, which is great. People tell me, you know, there's people I don't even know, right. Who, who, are, who are praying for me. Um, and you know, I, like I said, man, I had to really dig, dig real deep into my faith when I was sick, and and I still do t to this day. And I, I and like I said, I think there's a grander scheme for what has happened to me. Um, you know, also I'm sure you're aware, man. You know, I lost my mom when I was at naps, right yes. to, to cancer. So yeah, and that's when you start losing your hair. Your hair looks good. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, dude, I, was, I had alopecia. You know, that was uh, you know, 
something yeah. different, right? Yeah. For sure. Um, calm, calm Will Smith that, down with that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, you know, at the time at the Academy, you know, I, I learned a lot about myself and I think I was listening to, you know, Irv's podcast talking about how, you know, he really enjoyed football, but then he kind of lost that fire for it. And, you know, same that happened to me, man, in all transparency, when my mom died, I, I, I was like, I don't, I didn't know what to do. Right. I was lost for a long time. Um, when did that happen? And then, you know, what part yeah, of your life? Like mom in sophomore year? 2005. That was, that was plebe year, man. That was about plebe, plebe year. year. Gotcha. Um, I almost didn't graduate, man. I think freshman year, I had a 1.5 GPA or something. And I was like, shit, like if I don't do this, man, like I'm, I'm not going to graduate. Right. And so I kind of focus, I kind of shift my focus right towards academics. Um, and it's like, Hey, no, I'm, I'm very happy and, and proud of the football team and whatever I can give to the football team. And now it's you no know, scout squad for all four years, but you know, I, I gave what I could, you know, to, to that, to the, to the team in, in that sense. And so you know, I hold myself, you know, proud right, and, and, uh, to, to do, to, to partake in any way that I could to help the team better. Um, but that was kind of, you know, what happened to me. And then, uh, it wasn't until I got back to buds that I found kind of I got back that killer instinct again a little bit. Um, and what then, made you find that killer you know, instinct? Things change. Oh, man, um, wanted to be a seal, right? That that deep down desire, right, to 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 achieve this dream that I've been wanting since like freshman year in high school, right? And, gotcha. and you know, I realized that you know in how the world works is you got to compartmentalize some stuff, and I was holding on to the death of my mother for so long that you know. In, in some parts of my life, it, it was detrimental. Um, and I didn't want that to be the reason why I didn't get through buds. Um, and so I had to set that, set that part of me aside and, and focus on something different and something bigger. Um, but I use what we learn, man, right through, through the Academy to learn to get carpet, 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 mentalized, right. I think is the word I'm looking for. Um, and then from there, um, you know, do the best that I could in, in, in that aspect of, you know, my, my buds candidacy. So. Nice. Cool. Crazy story. Your your story is very unique, ultra unique. Like on a uh, scale of one to ten, you're a ten. So, um, thanks, what's man. Your, I appreciate that. What's your uh, biggest obstacle today, man? Man, I'll go back to when I was sick, man. Right. That was probably my biggest obstacle that I've ever had to face. Um, you know, kind of time before I said I went to some dark places, man. And, and here's, here's another story. Um, my second admission, um, I was in this placement where I wasn't listening to music. I didn't want to watch TV. I literally just sit in my bed and wallow in my pain. And Ashley one day came and said, hey, do you want to watch TV? Do you want to watch a movie? I'm like, no, I just want to sit here in my pain. And I literally, man, for like almost three months, I was a zombie of myself. And um you know, she knew who I was and then I got sick and I became the skeleton shadow version of myself. And she goes, we need to talk to psych. We need to call psych in here. And psych came in and they looked at my medical records. They go, this man is highly under medicated, like pain, pain, med, pain meds wise. They're giving me about five milligrams of oxy every four hours. Um, when they changed it to about 15, I came back to the Glenn that man, everybody knows and loves, right? <laughs> um, I became me again. And she started crying when she saw me, when she walked through that door and I was joking and laughing. She goes, oh my God, like I mourned this person, 
right? Um, and so, you know, with all that kind of being said, like my hardest time in my life was was last year. Um, it was the hardest obstacle I've ever had to deal with in my life. And understanding perseverance, faith, um, understanding a larger picture, um, all you know, and, and really in understanding suffering, man, right? That was probably something that you know, we all go through, we all go through at different parts of our lives at different levels, but that's what life is, right? Life is suffering. And how do we get through that suffering to make ourselves better in some aspect, whether it's spiritually, professionally, personally. Um, and, you know, that's kind of, you know, a lot of things that I've, I've taken away from what happened to me last year, as well as I'm not alone, right? You know, I know we, a lot of guys, uh, have talked about it on on, the, on your podcast where like hundred percent alone feel like you're going through all this stuff by yourself, and I realize I'm not man because you know, it's funny Ashley goes for a person who doesn't have immediate family you have a huge extended family right <laughs> like people coming out of the woodworks right reaching out to her so boom yeah so it so it, it was it was nice to know that I wasn't alone I felt alone but I know I wasn't um, and you know what I went through now, especially professionally, man, um, really, I have such a strong, um, what's the word? I guess I'm, you know, I'm blanking on the words here, but um, based off what I do now, man, my, my conviction, there we go, my conviction is so much stronger. Um, I was very lucky based off the planning that I did for myself allowed me to, you know, work or need to work when I was ready, right? I, I wasn't forced back into work uh, and, and things like that. So, um you know, it's, it's changed me as, as a person, man. And of course, dramatically, I see life differently now. Um, and I definitely try to see, try to find that, get that balance, right, of, of work and life, which is difficult to do, right, sometimes, especially, you know, at some point, hoping to be a daddy here, to deck you guys right here soon and, um, you know, try to make all that stuff work. Awesome. In no way would I like to... Uh following your path but um <laughs> i hope no one does man it's really like <laughs> i hope no one does man like what i went through was 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 difficult shit man and you know if you know hopefully uh, I, i've done enough suffering for for everybody so nobody else has to dude <laughs> we <clears throat> dude awesome story um this is the price Thanks, of admission. Man. What is your yeah. price of admission? Yeah, man. I, uh, I've been thinking about this one, you know, and I, and I was sitting down talking with Ash. She's like, yo, what, what do I say? Right. There's so many different things, right. That, that comes to mind. Um, but I'm gonna go back, man, to, to what I said earlier. I think the price of admission is, is suffering. Right. And, and hopefully it doesn't come off like, you know, very depressing or something like that, but you know, we all, we all suffer, right? We all, but what within that suffering, there's beauty, uh, especially you know with us going to the academy. We all have that shared suffering experience together, right? And so we're able to come together and build that camaraderie, that that strength from that shared experience. Um, and so I think the pay, the price of the mission man, is is suffering and pain, right? Like how that guy some of ours paid in blood, right? Or it's paid up front and you know sacrifice all these things. But I think, you know, I think suffering and pain, man, is, is really the price of admission because life is not easy. There's very few people in the world that have an easy life. You know, we all suffer in all sorts of different ways. Um, but in order for us to live um, a fruitful life, right, 
we have to have some sort of suffering in our lives in order to become hopefully ideally, you know, better people, stronger people um, for those that we love and those that we, we lead or, you know, those that we connect with. So, so yeah, man, so hopefully, you know, that, that that's a good enough answer. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've been kind of marinating on that, man, for a little bit, trying to figure out what's something good and different compared to what a lot of other guys have maybe thrown out on, on your show. hundred percent. Um, I think everybody feels the same way. They'll have a different definition. Um, of course. And your definition, I think, will hit really hard with a lot of folks. So, Thanks, man. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Dude, I uh, appreciate your time tonight. I think it was awesome. Um, your of story is you. 100%, you 100% different than any other story that I've had so far. So, Cool. Hopefully, man. I was hoping to find a way to be unique and different. I was like, man, a lot of guys are saying some great things. I was like, hopefully people, you know, were... You know, we'll, we'll enjoy what I have to say and, you know, or, and, you know, so just want to be as relevant as possible if I could. Yeah. Um, hundred percent unique and different and a hundred percent. The team is behind Glenn Woods. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. All right, dude. Tell the fam I said hello. All right, my man. Thanks, Tony. I will, man. I will. Yeah. We're going to go, go for a little, little walk the dog and, uh, you know, kind of get some get some fresh air. <laughs> Perfect. About to do the same. All right, Tone. Hey, man, it was great chatting with you, brother. Thanks again for this opportunity, brother. Really appreciate you and everything you're doing, man. This is fantastic, and I'm so happy and proud, man, for what you're doing. And really excited to hear. You know, I'm still going through all the stuff you got, so there's a lot to go through, but I'm, I'm getting through it, man. So <laughs> take care. Awesome. All right, man. Anything else? Anything for me? Take it easy, brother. No, all good. Good. All right, Tony, take these, brother. Bye.